Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You don't think I know about my favorite quarterback of all time? How dare you? You You didn't know his biggest rivalry game. (laughs) Yeah, you're right, I didn't. Touche, touche. Oh, yeah, baby, what's up? It's Wednesday. It means what the fuck happened day. Deep dive into some games, and we got Paulie Burmeister. Paulie, I'm I'm impressed with the outfits lately, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, bomber jacket. T-shirt. Hanging out with you has, has, has kind of younged me up a little bit. Way to go. We're in this very short period yeah. of time. Well, it's not that short where we, we are both in our 40s. Right. Working together. Yes. We should enjoy it each, each month while right. it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. And you heard quarterback Jeopardy is back today. I am right? so I've, pumped. I've had to live without it for two to three months. Have a lot going on up here thinking yeah. about how to maybe stump you. Right. So. It's, it's making a comeback today. All right, we'll see. I mean, what, how many did we get under our belt uh, before we I'd went on pandemic say leave a good there? five to six. Five or six summer. of them, right? And I think yeah. I was pretty awesome in, like, at least four out of the five. I think your worst performance was three out of five. Three out of five, so, I mean, yeah. that's, that's pretty good. Okay, good, good. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I think you'd be lucky to get three today. You're going to make it a little harder. Well, I heard Pete Dim a little, a little, a little, a little, a little, a little. Pete D was, was way yeah. behind this. It was his idea to bring it back, which right. I was all for. And then he's like, and here are 18 different questions. <laughs> Pick five. <laughs> so this, this is Pete, uh, Pete D driven for sure. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. That's good. I know then it's going to be a little harder for sure and a little quirkier and everything like that. But that yeah. sounds fun. We'll do that. Um, and let's see, any news we want to hit, anything like that? I mean, the big thing is Steelers, Titans yeah. being postponed. I don't like that. Uh, you heard me say this before we started. I think, hey, the Steelers have done everything right. I understand that the Titans are at a disadvantage. You can't practice right now and go into the facility, but that's their problem, not the Steelers. I mean, that just to me is what this is all about. And this adds the incentive for players to go, I can't mess around or I'm going to cost my team. So I don't know if this is bad luck or somebody being careless. All I do is know is the Steelers have done everything right. And now they're going to be penalized it, penalized and have to probably play in a short week next week right. because another team messed up. And uh, I'll be interested just to see where that goes. Do you think, uh, thinking about where it's going, do you think they'll get to a point, and they should get to a point, where these situations pop up, the team that is at fault should just be charged with a loss? I, I, I have been banging that drum since back in the spring, that like if you can't feel the team because your team was careless and another team was perfect, that's your fault. Loss. And the other team gets a win. The other team gets the win. Well, well, I mean, to me, in this year, I mean, what, I, you know, what are we going to do? Add another game before the playoffs? Hey, this, these teams have to play before the playoffs and then one of those teams might have to play the next week in a playoff game like it just that makes no sense to me so to me it would add to the incentive and you know pete pete d made a good point before too 
This is the first time this has happened this year. Right. So maybe they're being a little extra careful and doing their due diligence. But he made the point of saying, like, maybe in the future, if it's just two or three guys, they might just, you know, test everybody, make sure everything's clean for 48 hours, everybody's good, get back in here and just power through it. Right. And I think that, you know, eventually will send a better message to the players, too. Like, there's no wiggle room here. You mess up. Your team's in deep shit. You'll be the reason everyone, you know, blames the team for being in deep shit. And so be it. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But that's one of the, the news items of the day. And I do think it's more likely than not that this, this situation will come up again. I, would I, I think there'll be pushback from the team uh, that is not, again, I say at fault here, if, if that fits. There'll be pushback from those kind of teams. And I think they will get to the point where it is a win for one team and it's a loss for the other. Yeah, I, I think so, too. So we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't happen and we don't exactly. have to deal with it. Right. All right, where do you want to start, big guy? We have have a nice mix of the uh, what the fuck and also the deep dive. Right. It's a hybrid. Let's start with the most anticipated game in September that turned out to be not a game at all. Right. Kansas City, Baltimore, the Chiefs dominated. Two-score game, it never felt that close to me. No. It felt like a three- or four-score game the entire time. Agreed. So let's start with the Chiefs offense against the Ravens defense. And game ball. You have one game ball to give. You're giving it to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, and they can kind of split it. Or are you given to Patrick Mahomes? Ooh, that's a good one because I mean, it, it, I mean, it's. It, I probably in this one as awesome as Mahomes was. I mean, awesome. Yeah. I'd probably give it to Bienemy and, and Reed Why? for what they did here. There was just, they were on the tack from the get go. Baltimore is one of those teams that they like to play from the power position. We're going to be in your face. People at the line of scrimmage, our secondary is good. We're going to force the issue right away. Going to be hard to run. Going to be hard for you to get easy completions early in the game. Because we're going to be right there. Right. Well, think about what they do the first play of the game. Tyree kill this way. Tyree kill all of a sudden. Set hut, fake the run up the middle. And it's a reverse. And now you're... And Baltimore brings the corner blitz, too. Yeah. So all of a sudden, they're, going, they're coming out going, we're going to be aggressive. It's hard to be real aggressive with that team, that talented, and then that coach throwing aggressive back at you. Right. Right. So now you're going, you're the D coordinator. All of a sudden, you're going, whoa, wait, holy cow, that was one step away from going for 80 yards and everything like that. Right. Let me, we're, we're on our heels a little. But I think that's the thing that jumped out to me more than not. Right. Kansas City attacked from get-go. They played you know, into their aggression a little bit, especially early on with some of the misdirection screens, right? Get them go, oh, they're foaming at the mouth. We're going to get this guy. We're going to get that guy. What? Oh, it went to that guy. I mean, they really did a great job of that. And then having their moments of being aggressive with that man-to-man coverage at times to where you're like, you, you sure you want to keep playing man against right. these guys? Exactly. Right. Right. And I, I, I'm going to ask you yeah. if and when they did come off with that aggressive game plan uh, for, for the Baltimore defense. Yeah. But you say aggressive with the Chiefs, and I used to think of aggressive with an offense. Okay, we're taking shots downfield. We're going up big. To me, their aggressive is in 20 plays, we're going to show you 17 different looks and motions and formations. Exactly. And we're aggressive that way. Exactly right. We're going to give you a lot of things to think about, movement, let alone your talent. But we're not going to just – they're not going to let you just hunker in there and get a feel for what we're doing. And like, oh, okay, when they get in this formation, man, they've been doing this and this all game long. You're right. They throw a lot of different things at you. What would be and the proper response for a defense? I think the proper response – well, Baltimore's – they don't match up great with Kansas City. 
up front or out wide? Well, a little bit of both. See, what they do is they usually can cover people man-to-man. And since they don't have great pass rushers, they go, all right, we'll find some creative blitzes to get after the quarterback because Peters and Humphreys and Smith and uh, Anthony Averett, they can all cover man-to-man while – you know, the quarterback's going to be back there, and yeah, we'll be man-to-man, but he's not going to have much time, and we think we can cover that long, right? Right. So, right off the bat, that's not a good formula for Kansas City, because Kansas City's like, oh, man-to-man. Oh, we Thank love you. It. Thank you, yeah. right. And then they're going, oh, blitz. Our quarterback, he yeah. knows how to pick up the blitz. He knows who's free. Andy Reid's an ex-O-line guy. He knows how to pick up blitzes that way. So, that's a scary combination in that specific matchup. And here, just to your, to your point. Mm-hmm. So, it's first play, cornerback blitz to the Ravens, right? Second play, they blitz all out. Everybody. Eight guys blitzing, right? They're, you're going, wow. But to what you're saying, with the formations and everything that Andy did, he just went, he went five free releasers. He went screens. He went block it up and protect it and let's throw a, a, an out-up comeback to Tyree Kill on Marcus Peters. You know, the screen's going all different directions. So within that, it was. It was an aggressive versus aggressive style and you saw who won. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs. They just always attacked all night. You know, and they kept the Ravens off balance. I think that's the big thing. Off balance and keeping the other side off balance. Yeah. And going back to our conversation yeah. last year, uh, one of the things that I like about the way you see these games uh, with defense against offense, it's not always outmanning them in the blitz or having better personnel. You talk about keeping a quarterback guessing right. and giving him that moment in the pocket where he's not sure what they're doing. Right. So d- did you see Baltimore doing anything that provided those moments where Mahomes was like, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what's up here. I, I, I didn't. I think that's what's so I, impressive. And neither did I. No, right? I yeah. mean, you're, he was in total control of protection all right. night. Right, right. And I think because they're attacking, too, that gives him confidence. They play against, and I heard him say this after the game, Mahomes. You know, they play against a defense in Spagnuolo who's very similar. Right. It's disguises. It's crazy blitzes. It's outside-the-box thinking. So he's done that all training camp. Sure, he's very comfortable with sorting that out. And then here's the other thing, too, that's big. Because if you drop back and you go, you know, hey, we got to read their defense, and if it's two safeties, play the right side. If it's one safety, play the left side. Baltimore will give you some looks where you drop back and you go, I don't know if it's fucking two safeties or one safety. You tell me what that coverage is, coach. Right. They ran some all-purpose plays where it was just like, we don't give a fuck about their coverage. Look at this guy first. Look at this guy second. Look at this guy third. Who's ever open, throw it. I don't give a shit what the coverage is. Mm-hmm. So it takes a little of the thinking out. And, like, Mahomes not having to think, like, oh, wait, am I making the right decision against the right coverage the way the coach told me? Mm-hmm. No, the coach just told you, look at the tailback going out in the flat. Is he open? Throw it. No. Okay, here's Kelsey who runs in and then came back out. He's number two. Is he open? Throw it. No. Oh, and then we have a shallow cross coming across under behind that. Right. And he's number three. And you don't have to read coverages. And I think that's what uh, – they did so well, let alone picking on some of the young guys. Like the, the screens and stuff mm-hmm. early on was all about Patrick Queen, rookie middle linebacker. Yeah. Let's get his spin, head spinning. He's never played an offense like that. I thought that was very well thought out as well. There's no shame in having uh, Patrick Mahomes have an MVP-type performance. No. I mean, they join all kind of defense these last three years who were in the same boat. And the Chiefs scoring in upper 30s, that's going to happen. But if they had a chance to play him again next week, what should they do differently right. 
to not give up in the 30s, but maybe somewhere in the mid 20s. Yeah, right. They got to they they're they officially will now have to readjust the way they play the Chiefs the next time. There's no doubt. You've lost three times, and really two out of the three have been bad. Yeah. Right. I mean, even last year's regular season game, the score looks closer. It was like kind of like the other night. It was a blowout. I want to say it was like at one point like 29 to seven or something like that, and they made it look better than it was in the very end. To me, to me, the big thing will be you can't play as aggressive against this team. One of the things I wrote is, you know, the Ravens can't get off the field on third down. You know, they, they were can't. at one point ten out of twelve. It's insane. In the Nobody does quarter. that to the Ravens. You don't do that in Nobody practice. Nobody does that to the Ravens. And I just wrote, they can't get there with four rushers, and they know they can't let him sit there all day, so they blitz. But this is probably the only NFL team in the league that they can't do this against. So the teams we've seen struggle with Mahomes the week before, the Chargers. That 49ers scheme, the Seattle scheme, you hear me talk about. Well, yeah, it's a front four that can get after it, and then they can put seven in deep zones. And, you know, can Mahomes and everybody, do they have enough short passing attack and short game to be patient and move the ball and do those type of things? You know, we saw more of that this, this last game where you saw some short passing. Where you went, Ooh, I like the way some of this looks. But, but that is what they'll have to do is maybe find creative ways to rush four still, mm. right? Like, it looks like a blitz, but we really dropped somebody out here, and it's really four still rushing. Once again, back to trying to confuse You're them. You're going to have to confuse them goal. and then not play so much man-aggressive coverage behind it because, again, he'll f- even if he's outnumbered in the blitz and you play too much man, right. he'll fade away or make that blitzer miss, and then you're going – well, I've been covering Tyreek Hill for nine seconds, and you're not going to cover him for nine seconds, and then he's going right. to get you for a big play. And we always give credit, and I think he deserves it, to Andy Reid for his creativity and for beating the aggressive defenses. Yeah. But I, I, want, I just want to speak up for Mahomes, in addition to the talent, yeah. the fact that he's not confused with these looks uh, at that age. I mean, I don't think we talk enough about his smarts to go along with his talent because a lot of that credit needs to go to him and not just Andy. I agree there. I mean, well, it's, it's, you're right. He does not get enough. We don't ever give the really super talented athletic guys any credit with smarts. Like, they just do it on God-given talent. They never think. The fucking guy loves the sport. He lives it. He does. And we never see him make really mistakes. I mean, we don't ever. Didn't throw a pick. And he never didn't throws. Didn't really make a poor decision. Right. I mean, yeah. this is a guy that's a gunslinger that rarely doesn't see what he's throwing the ball into. Mm-hmm. Rarely throws balls where you go, well, he got lucky or he had a game today. They should have caught four interceptions. Like, I understand every now and then he sure. throws one like that. But it's very rare yeah. for the way they play. And I think you're, you're spot on. He is unshakable, unrattable, rattle-able, <laughs> whatever. Rattle him. You can't. Right. And you just can't. Here's nothing. And he just feeds off of it. The other thing, too, you know, I was very surprised by the lack of pass rush integrity by the Ravens. Mm. It's like, you, you know. Mean, when you attach integrity to that, what do you mean? I mean, like, staying in your lane, realizing this is one of the greatest scramblers in the sport. I know he's not Lamar Jackson, but this is one of the great extenders of the play or get on the edge and threaten you with eyes and arms. And, I mean, how many big plays were they going to just let him scoot around the right side and nobody be there? Right. That, to me, was a little surprising, too. It was a little too much, like, hair's on fire, let's go get them, instead of, like, the New England approach, which is, let's just collapse the pocket and kind of keep them in there, and, you know, just, we'll kind of try to not overplay our hand and react to him, to where he does that. So that was, that was very surprising to me, too. Okay. Can we go other side? Yep, I think that does it. Um, oh, well, I want to talk about one play first. Oh, yes. 
Let's talk Wide about open. this play. Yeah. The third and 15 play. This, this to me, explains the game, right? If you want to take Hardman, one play. 49-yard touchdown. 49-yard yeah. touchdown, yep. right? And this goes back, again, to Andy aggressiveness. I mean, Andy, this is where Andy's so cool. I mean, third and 15 could be a screen. Third mm-hmm. and 15 could be a bomb. You don't know. Right. There's no way to get a feel for his tendency. And it was an out and up. And there's no reason to call a five-yard out on third and long because what DB is going to bite on a no. five-yard out? No. But they did anyway. They did anyways. And it's, a, it's, it's an interesting one here because I, this, I've seen this play. A lot of people have been trying to, like, break it down on the Internet and things. And some people I really respect. Mm-hmm. And I want to break it down a little bit. And I don't know if I'm totally right here. I really don't. I think I'm right from my days of breaking down Baltimore in those years and watching Baltimore. And you know how much of film I watch now to where here we go. So if you're watching this on YouTube right now, mm-hmm. all right, you see here, it's a, it's a blitz zone, right? Three deep blitz zone. And as you watch, and we're seeing McCole Hardman run that out and up. Deshaun Elliott, the safety, right? He is the guy that comes down and has to cover McCole Hardman, right? You see him coming down. Talking about the and, can, and you know what? And, and I really pause this for a second right here, if you don't mind, uh, Kristen. Thank you. Perfect. So, so I have right now the pen on Marcus Peters, right, who everybody's blaming for this play. Everybody thinks Marcus Peters should be back in his third, and that's who should have stopped this out and up. What I'm saying is I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. The way a lot of teams, and this is going to be posted on Instagram, this video later. So if, if I don't explain it well here, check out my Instagram page, okay, at Button, at Button. sorry, duh, and check this out. But I don't think Peters is responsible for the deep third. I think Peters is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing, which is looking up crossers. Because these type of crossers are what kill this type of blitz more times than not. And the Ravens are the type of team that are smart, they're outside-the-box thinkers, they've probably been beat on the route before playing the coverage the way everybody else in football does, and they probably finally said, wait, why do we do it this way? We see everybody get beat with this route, let's do something different. So Deshaun Elliott, that's safety, now he is coming down to be like a, you know, in-the-box type safety, underneath, flat curl area type This is guys. a safety on the right hash. Uh, yeah, on the right hash, right, in the all-way. And go ahead, go, let it play there, Kristen. So, he, so you see Marcus Peters, who one is looking at it, but right away starts to look up Tyree Kill. Deshaun Elliott is responsible for McCole Hardman going on the out route. That's his area. Now, I think because the way they play this, right, I don't look at this. Deshaun Elliott tries to match the out route. And I think that Peters is playing for the crossing route all the, time, all the way here, hoping that Mahomes will think, wait, he should be out of there in his deep third, and he's not, and then you throw the pick. It's kind of a match zone. This is a match zone. So then as he goes out, he has to take him. I want to be able to explain this more in the podcast. This is why everybody's got to watch this video on my Instagram page later because I'd like to be able to show people why – also, the things that teams do or could do that would expose, like, if Marcus Peters was covering that deep third. And I, it's hard for me to do here without video, so everybody's going to have to check it out later. But I, I'm telling you, I've seen some really smart people who have said that, and I'm not saying I'm right. You think there should have been, there was supposed to be a free safety in the, in the middle? No, I don't think so either. I think, you know, he's in the middle, but they're really playing over there like the little combination. See, what people try to do against those all-out blitzes a lot of the times is, like, 
they'll have McCole Hardman run the out, mm -hmm. and because that team's playing three deep, now the corner has to kind of go with the out, and now there's nobody there for the cross. So teams would just do that all day long and just keep hitting the cross. It's a 20-yard game. Man, we're blitzing. We're trying to do something. We're giving up 25-yard completions every time. How does that make sense? So they started to go, hey, safety, you come down, and as he goes to the curl flat area, right, all right, if he goes upfield, you have to match him and take him because there is nobody upfield. We have our guy doing something different. It's similar to, like, we talk about Seattle, cover three, mm -hmm. press bail, right? Yep. If you have two receivers to the right, all right, just try to listen to me through here this way. This is a hard one to explain. I'm, I'm doing my best. But if you have two receivers to the right, and it's that cover three Seattle coverage we talk about a lot, if the outside guy just runs a go, mm -hmm. right, Yep. then that corner has to go, right? Yes. Now, if that slot receiver runs a five-yard out, yeah, there's a guy there for the curl flat to get him. But what if he runs an out and up? Who covers him? That curl flat guy has to go with him. It's a, he has to. He has to. I Who's mean, going to cover him? Nobody will ever cover him then. But This is, this is modern-day NFL. But nobody covering the curl flat can stay with number 10 for the Chiefs. I mean – no one can stay with him down the field. No. 40 yards down the field. No. Well, this, that was McCole Hardman down the field. But so wait, but, Who's but, almost as fast. But, yes. But, but okay. So but, but what I'm saying is I'm just trying to explain why the safety matched the out and up right. is what I'm saying. If they played it the way I'm hearing everybody on the Internet and TV talk about it, you would just run McCole Hardman right at Marcus Peters, mm -hmm. right? And that safety's going to come down, and that cross is going to be open every time still. Because they didn't even protect the blitz the right way. If they protected the blitz right way, they could have put out Demarcus Robinson in a little route in the slot who was right next to McCole Hardman. And if he just ran five yards and turned around, Deshaun Elliott would have to go up and cover him. Yeah. Now nobody – and if McCole Marvin ran the go route, you would have a go with a crosser, and nobody would ever be there to stop him. Post and corner routes stop blitz zero, those type of blitz looks. They know that. It's a tough one to explain here on podcasts. I hope I made my points. Might be it's something I have to draw up on the board at some point. I, you know? I think that'd be fun. Yeah. I, I would love to. Cause I, I can kind of picture it, Yeah, but I, I'm not sure. You know, the I'm day sure of, like, not everybody plays three deep zone. You don't, in the day of, like, hey, you're in three deep, and we just play in this zone area. No, there's no such thing anymore. Three deep zone becomes you match up with the person when they come into your area. You're not just going to go, you're not just going to go, like if you're the receiver, right? Yeah. And I'm in, all right, I'm in the curl flat, right? And here you come. I'm not going to just like let you sit there and just be like, oh, but I'm in my curl flat area. But that would have covered it better. What's that? For what, who were you talking about? Wouldn't have given up. If, if that was a classic cover three where, where they weren't matching up and basically playing yeah. bad. If they were in three deep, the guy in the flat wouldn't have had to try and run with Hardman, first of all. Right. And number two, even though it was an incredibly impressive, talented throw by Mahomes, he left it pretty far in the middle. In a classic cover three, the free safety would have been there to pick it yes, up. Yes. I, I know you're right. If they played it the traditional way, yeah. it would be right. But if they played it the traditional way, teams would expose them all the, the time. The crosser would have been open. Always. Or you're going to put them in a bind where what if that guy on the outside just runs a straight 15-yard out route? I mean, the curl flat guy can't get there to stop that. He could barely get to that out route. And now the deep guys. The corner could jump that, though. Oh, but then the deep cross is open every time. I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying this is how people attack this blitz. Mm -hmm. And Baltimore's smart. And I've been with Wink Martindale in Denver before. And I think they know this is how teams beat it. So they're a little different and try to steal it, 
right? They're like, we're not. We see everybody beat it this way. We're not going to let you beat it this way. And I think Andy Reid saw that they did it this different way, and he said, I'm going to have something further ass this and they, time. And they did. And that, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm right. I don't know. You're right. If it was the traditional cover three way, it would have covered that play right there. Should. But I'm saying I don't think they play right. the traditional cover three type Clearly coverage they did. at that yeah. point. And maybe it is Marcus Peters. Maybe we'll find out this week. I'm not saying I'm right. Sometime we can get on that we'll board. Say, just yeah. have like a whole day. I want to explain show it to where people. Get like two or three plays like yeah, that. And I know. Kind of run through it. Yes, because, it, you know, match zone is different. It took me a while to really figure it out. I didn't get it. I had to have people in New England really explain it to me. Mm-hmm. And it all came from the Seattle game in 2012. Right. I came downstairs. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was like, is this man or zone? This doesn't make sense. And they started to explain it to me. This is a zone coverage. But they're not just going to let you sit in their zone and be like, oh, we're, we're just sitting here in our zone and mm-hmm. go ahead, sit down in that hole of our zone and we won't come and match you and cover you. And that's where football's evolved to right now, I guess, is where I'm trying to get to. So that plays one example, the Chiefs right. having their way with the Ravens. Amazing. Earlier this week, yeah. Yes. Tremendous performance. Other side of this matchup. Lamar Jackson, Ravens offense, put together one touchdown Ooh, drive. Baby. They didn't have a single touchdown drive, I, I believe, through three quarters. What happened with that part of the matchup? Yeah, well, all right, hold on. My damn computer closed me out here. Hold on. I hate passwords on computers, so give me two <laughs> seconds. All right, but, um, okay, so I think the, the biggest thing to me with, with this side of the matchup, I, I think first off you have to talk about, actually, no. Here's the first thing I want to talk about. Something we don't talk about. You gave credit to Andy Reid and Biennemi early on. Something we don't talk about enough with the Kansas City Chiefs. I said this on the, the day after the game on PFT, but I'm going to say it again now for those who just listened to the pot. First of all, we don't give the Chiefs enough respect for the physical football team mm. they are. You know, we just look at it, Mahomes, Hyrie Kill, zing, zoom, zoom, whoa, 400,000 yards. It's awesome. Uh, so we look at them as like kind of like that soft, like they just throw it a lot team. And that's just not the case. I think the number one thing that jumped out to me about the game, not only on TV, but when I watch back to the film, is Kansas City whooped the shit out of Baltimore. Up front. Like, physically yeah. whooped their ass. And if you went back and watched the game, and you might have noticed it live, I mean, after the first drive, I mean, Kansas City was psycho from that. I mean, Frank Clark was getting up and going crazy, and Chris Jones were going crazy. Like, first off, I really think Kansas City likes being the king of the hill. I really do. I think they feed off of this. Like, mm-hmm. we're the biggest show in town. You think you're going to knock us off? Well, we'll see about that. But I think that's the first thing I'd like to talk about. The physicality of the Chiefs in general does not get respect. They can't match up with the physicality of the 49ers. Oh, they win the game. They can't stop Derrick Henry in that physical running game. He doesn't do shit. Mm-hmm. This is, they, they're more physical than we want to tell them. And I think the, you know, Early in the game, those first few plays, hey, it caught them off guard. You're kind of getting used to what they're doing. You haven't seen anybody like Omar Jackson in an attack like this. But after that, uh, I, I, you know, Jones, Nottie, Frank Clark, Passignon, 64 penal, they whooped some ass up front. They did not lose the battle against that Baltimore, that Baltimore uh, front. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing is, too, Spags called their bluff. Spags called their bluff. From the get-go, it was in-your-face, man-to-man coverage. We're going to give you some great looks to throw it. Do you want to throw it, or do you want to try to run it in here against all this nonsense I got going on here Mm. with all these guys, and you don't know who's shooting where and what's going on? He called their bluff. And 
they and they won. I mean, they, they won because Baltimore wanted to continue to try to just grind it out and run the ball and do that stuff. And between Spagnolo and just not letting Baltimore get on the edge after that first drive, always having somebody for the quarterback when he did keep it, always having somebody for the pitch guy when he did pitch it. Yeah. To where, yeah, he might pitch it and get a few yards, but it didn't gash them for 40 and 50 like we've seen most times with Baltimore, right? Right. And I think that was the big thing. And they always funneled the play back in. So, oh, it's a pitch. Oh, here's Tyron Matthew. He's there for the pitch. Yeah, there's a blocker on him, but he ain't going to let you go outside. He's going to force it back in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's were some of the things that really jumped out to me about the game, let alone how well they covered Baltimore man to man. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm with you. The, yeah. the physicality up front is underrated for the Chiefs. It really shined through on Monday night. I have written down uh, playmakers in the back end. That's Three. right. Three safety types. Mm, bam, that's where so I'm going next. I on like the it. perimeter, once you get past how well they did up front, I mean, the, the, the back end, I don't know if it's the creativity or just the athleticism they yeah. have back there or the scheme, but I thought of the perimeter, and you point out bringing things back inside. My eyes started to go from the physicality up front to what they were doing in the back end pretty early. I think you're right. Well, the, that, I think, to me, would be the next thing I would talk about in the game. And those guys that you're talking about, we just talked about forcing it inside, having a guy from a pitch. It's Tyrone Matthew. Yeah. It's it's uh, 22 Thorson and it's Sorensen. All right? three at the same three time. Three safety, yeah. right? It's a great set they have because they're great tacklers. They got speed. They can cover if you get caught in a jam or in a mismatch and things like that. And they were a big part of the game plan. And a lot of communication in the back end. Oh, wait, they, you know, oh, wait, you know, strong safety's down to this side. Oh, they shifted the tight end and the fullback over there. Now, hey, safety, you get back this side. This safety's going to go down. I mean, they never really got outnumbered or out-tricked by the run game or the formations or anything like that. I know there was a few plays here and there, but that ain't what we used to see with Baltimore. I mean, it was shut down for the most part, let alone, like I said, and you said playmakers. They got playmakers everywhere. Oh, man, the back seven, yeah. I mean, the back seven – you know, those two linebackers they got, uh, uh, Hitchens and Wilson, they're mm-hmm. physical and fast. But, like, playmakers in general, just, you know, to what you're talking about, you go Matthew, Frank Clark, Chris, Chris Jones. I mean, they fuck games up on right. a regular basis. Yes, they do. And they can make plays that can change a game. And I thought, you know, really all of them popped at some point or another. Um, creativity is yeah. what we use a lot for what Kansas City does on offense. How about creativity for what Spags is doing defensively? Yeah. Right? It's, it's, un, it's unreal. I mean, he really was all over their tendencies, called their bluff and said, we're not going to let you run. It, he, he was really playing defense going, listen, if this guy catches on fire and starts throwing 40 and 50 yards, then, then so be it. Right. Then I'll readjust then. But he was willing to take that chance. And, you know, even on some third downs, hey, it was 13-10 second quarter. There was a third and six play. He throws the ball to, uh, to Hollywood, Hollywood on a shallow cross. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he catches, he gets crushed, and he only gets like four yards, and they punt it out, right? I mean, that was the free safety. They were playing basically cover zero, and they were very aware that some short, shallow crossers were going to come. And he wasn't even worried about behind them. He knew, okay, they're going to throw one of these crossers. I'm going to come down and make the tackle. But that speaks to what you're talking about with some of the creativity, let alone like some certain run situations. They put five D linemen in there and two linebackers and then blitzed one of the linebackers and just said, fuck you. We got big people that are coming at you too. I just loved all of their, what they did on that side of the ball. And of course was a little unimpressed by Baltimore's ability to adjust Mm -hmm. and Baltimore 
you know, they're, they're so used to dominating the line of scrimmage and the run game and things like that. This is one of those games where we talked about what Baltimore needs to do next time on defense. Next time, th- I really think if they play again, they have to come out almost do like pass to set up the run. Yeah. They got to call Kansas City's bluff and be like, no, we're not going to let you get away with having 10 guys within six feet of the line of scrimmage and in our face that way. And they didn't even come close to shutting that off. I, th- I think if, if you lined up every game from Sunday and Monday and even throw in the Thursday night game and break it down into every facet, I don't know if there was a more disappointing facet of what we just saw than the Baltimore passing offense this past week. Under 100 yards passing, around three yards per attempt. I mean, those are atrocious numbers for any passing offense. So with the run being stuffed early, I mean, that the, the passing attack never, ever came close to coming around. No, night. no, it did not. And it was, yeah, it was um, not a lot of people open, which I think is concerning. Right. I mean, it's just not. They were, you know, I, I, I the one thing I've kind of said on just a few radio things, the lack of wide receiver involvement in their offense is concerning. It is. And – you know, it's they're going to play another team like this that's going to go, well, you're not going to beat us up physically. Right. Can you beat us in the pass game? Hollywood is really fast. He's really good. He really has problem with people who get his, their hands on him at the line of scrimmage. So he's not always guaranteed to get open. And then everybody else at the receiver position, you know, there's a lot of – there's some good, but there's nobody that scares you. Sneed, Boykin, solid. Mm-hmm. But – People are not going to be scared to match up with them. Yeah. And then, of course, Mark Andrews is a great tight end, but he is a tight end, and teams are going to be willing to take their chances man-to-man with him too, mm-hmm. you know, until you start to sow creative ways to get them open consistently and things like that. So that is certainly a concern. It's the concern we had going into the game. I think we all thought it was getting better through week one and week two yeah. to where if this came about, at least I did, I thought – I think Lamar's in a place now where he might be able to dice some people up if they do this. And Obviously, I was wrong, and he's not ready yet. So I, I want to zoom out from this game a little bit and still yeah. think about that Baltimore offense and go back to the last game of last year in the playoffs where Tennessee, I don't know schematically what they did, but it was the same result. I mean, Baltimore was so much lesser than what we've gotten used to. Uh, I think one touchdown drive. And I, I think to, to sound an alarm or to be panicked about the offense – that next to Kansas City has been the best offense in the league the last 20 games. I don't want to go there, but to not say, okay, twice in the last four games, this offense has has, um, had it handed to them by who they were playing. What are the similarities between what Tennessee did to end the season last year and to what Kansas City did Monday? There's a lot of similarities. I think it's a really good question, point, whatever, topic of conversation. Tennessee – runs a very similar defense to a Spagnolo-type defense or even what Baltimore does. They're outside-the-box thinkers. They are. So they will come in with a game plan specific to go, you, you, yeah, you didn't see – you studied our last 10 games. Well, you know, we didn't have to play you. So now we have something different for you, and you're not going to be ready for it. So that's what they do, just like Spag. So I think there's something there to that, let alone enough big bodies inside to go – you're not just going to just maul us mm-hmm. and push us around, and we're just going to have to always worry about the inside, inside, inside. Oh, there goes Lamar on the edge. We can't tap so him. So the uh, size and physicality up front I think I think that, and then the ability to always get an extra guy to the right formation to stop the pitch, stop the edge runs, they were very good at that last year. In fact, it's funny you're bringing this up because when I was talking about having a guy for the pitch guy and forcing it inside – 
That's what Tennessee was amazing at last year in the playoff game. Yeah. It was really one of the things I looked at and went, yeah, they never let Baltimore get that big edge run or rip off three or four of them like they usually do in a given game. Right. So I think there is something to that, and I think you're going to continue to see. I do think this game will be somewhat of a blueprint for defenses. Not that everybody's going to be able to pull off what Kansas City can pull off because that talent's good. Right. Spag is special. But I do think at the very least teams are going to start going, that's it. We're calling their bluff on the pass game. Yeah. We're calling it. We're going to start getting in their face a little bit and make him make throws. And the other thing they did, when they got into empty sets, mm-hmm. they didn't like say, oh, we'll rush three or rush four and try to drop in coverage and do that. They said, fuck that. He's going to yeah. scramble and make a play. So they all out blitzed. They said, do you know where your hot throw is? Can you throw it accurately under pressure? Right. And they kind of exposed Lamar that way. And they yeah. went through a stretch where they blitzed them in empty sets, like three plays in a row. And Baltimore didn't really have a plan. Yeah. And when coaches see it on film, like I bet you Spag saw an all-out blitz in week one or two where he went, I'm not sure there's a plan there. I think they're just relying on a super awesome guy to make a play. Yeah. And I think he saw that and said, okay, well, I got a plan for them. I owe it to them to get their plan together. So kind of finishing right where you started with yeah. this part of the matchup with the aggressiveness. We're not on our heels. We're coming after you, even though this is the offense that's been kind of setting the pace the last season and a half. My last comment I wrote is I wrote, Spags didn't try to stop everything. He just tried to stop the most dangerous things. And that's Belichickian a little bit. You can't stop everything with good football teams. Right. So at some point you're going to go, yeah, we might have to give a little here to take from there. And I think that's what my bottom line would be from Kansas City. See how teams go to school off of what they did and also off of what Tennessee did to end their season yeah. last year. Right. All right, Texans and Deshaun Watson. Oh, Houston have lost to, they've lost to, to Kansas City. They've lost to Baltimore, the two teams we just talked about. And now they've lost to Pittsburgh. They were winning at halftime. Yep. They didn't score a point in the second half. What happened to Watson and the Texans' offense? Well, the offense was never like anything smooth throughout the day. It was more of... Watson making plays, buying a little time. I do think Pittsburgh busted a coverage. Uh, no, no, they didn't. I'm, I'm switched around there. That was, that was Houston that busted a coverage. So I don't think I came away looking at anything ever at any point just going, oh, this Houston Texan offense is a machine, right? They had some good plays and put some plays together. But I think the thing that jumped out to me more than anything is still way too much on Deshaun Watson. And the offense is just not diverse enough, and they're not pre- protecting well enough either. I think that's the first thing that bothers me. Let's start with about the diversity. Their I want to get yeah. to the protection because yeah. people obviously point to that with how often he's sacked. But yeah. when you say diversity, are you are you talking about the formations and the motions, or the actual schemes once the ball is? A stopped? little bit of both, really. I think it's all got to grow. If you're going to have wide receiver by committee, you got to have an offense that's just. It's vast and has lots of things we do and a ton of concepts because we don't care where the ball goes. So we're going to, like, that's what New England's always done. That's really what they've done. we got a really good system. Mm-hmm. We don't need one superstar, even though they found some. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I know that. But that's not the way they are. They go, wait, our system's really good. We're going to teach our quarterback. And because our system has so much in it, everybody will get the ball eventually. Billy O'Brien runs a simpler version of the New England offense. It's just not enough. I don't see enough concepts. I don't see enough formation. Do you think he's not using enough because the personnel around Deshaun isn't that good? No, I, don't, I'd have, I have a hard time buying that. I think maybe he's still adjusting to life without DeAndre Hopkins, where the last few years he's been a guy that's been like, 
how can I get him the ball? How can I get him the ball? How can I get him the ball? And because I get him the ball so much, it forces the other team to just do something to him. And now other guys get the ball where now he's got to figure out, okay, what are just creative pass games to take care of this coverage that are kind of all purpose that my quarterback can just read the play and not worry about having to attack one guy or do anything like that. So that, I guess, bothers me about their offense just a little bit. You know what's troubling? Uh, It's not just the second half and what we're talking about. They got shut out. But in this time, through three games, where points, yards, and passing efficiency are at an all-time high for three games. Right. They have 20 points in a game, 16 and 21. Right. I mean, they're down there with, like, the Jets, Giants, and Broncos of the world right now. Yeah. It's, and they have Deshaun Watson. There's, there's no excuse for it. There's not. And Watson is not, like, playing his best football right now. He's not. What's but, he lacking right now? Well, I, I'll say the one thing that jumped out to me a little bit is, one, I think he's lost the step speed-wise. He looks like he's gotten bigger to me, all right? And he still moves around and does special things with his legs. But I'll say there's a few times where he's gotten on the edge and I want to go, ooh, Old Deshaun, I feel like, would have maybe turned the corner there and gotten eight or nine yards on a scramble. Mm. Right now, I'm not so sure he can do that. All right? But, you know, it's not a Deshaun. I'm not concerned about Watson himself. Okay, so then offensive line, pass catchers, scheme, which of those three things are you concerned about most? Um, I think is lack of run game first. All right? I know that wasn't one of the options, but I'll go there. You can add, you, you yeah. can add a fourth. And then – you know, O-line would be second, with Scheme being third probably okay. to me about there. But, yeah, the O-line, got, they got steamrolled in that football game. Steamrolled. Now, let me just say, Pittsburgh's defense is off the chain. They are off the chain good. It's the best front seven in football. That's the one thing I'm pretty confident in saying after watching three weeks of just about everybody on And defense. they've also played Baltimore and Kansas City, so they haven't had any kind of a layup yet. No, all. they have not. And they're a team that is not good on defense. So that doesn't help them. I mean, the Steelers chewed up the clock in the second half. But the second half, you know, that's, that's all you need to really look at. I mean. And Deshaun was 5-9 and nine for 62 yards and a pick in the second half. I felt like they hardly had the ball. They, they, that's what I was just saying. Like, they just, they couldn't, their defense couldn't get off the field. So that was the issue. They only had 17 plays in the second half. They only had 51 yards in the second half. And 34 of them were on one play. Yeah, that's right. And then there was another play that was, I believe, 14 or 15 yards. So they really had 15 plays for like two yards if you take those two away. That's what kind of domination was because, one, there's not enough diversity in the offense. So when the second half comes around, Pittsburgh was very comfortable. Oh, this is what they're doing to us today, Mm -hmm. and this is what they're going to continue to try to do. And – they let their front four just go after it a little bit, too. Pittsburgh can be one of those teams every now and then, and we're going to talk about this in a minute with another team, that will blitz the fifth guy just a little too much for me. I know their defense is awesome, and I understand why they do it, mm-hmm. but it also lends to easy completion sometimes where you go, that guy didn't get close to the quarterback, and now there's nobody in the middle of the field, and the quarterback got to throw a four-yard throw that got 30 yards because why? We just had to send five? Right. You know, and so that would be one thing. But, yeah, the second half, the biggest – I didn't see, like, they just stopped blitzing. They rushed four. And, really, they just played more – like, uh, what do I want to say, traditional coverages. I think that's the big thing. And then, of course, the big mistake with Watson. That's the last thing you got. I mean, that's just – but that's compounds, you know. You're talking about the interception? The interception, that was the end of the game because at that point – 
they're, I believe, up. It's 21-20. The game's still in the balance. Pittsburgh's offense has had a hard time finding its mojo. But, you know, they're going through a stale point like you're yeah. talking about. And he was the offense in the first half. So I he's know. going, i got to do it again here. And it, it, was, it was one of the classic rolling to your right and throwing a little bit late. Yeah. Not all the way to the middle. Right. Uh, but kind of back to the middle. Yeah. They converted far. a third down, which was rare for them in the second half. They converted a third down a couple plays before. And he did the same thing, right? He did the right? same thing. Right. So it, it's I know. hard to come down to Exactly. Exactly right. I know. It's very hard. You, it's a tough line to go, wait, this guy makes all these plays all the time and really saves our football right? team. Okay, well, every now and then you're going to have to deal with one that doesn't go that, you know, the right way. This one was, a, like I think, to what you said, a hair more aggressive than that yeah, first it was. one. And a hair farther down further the than, field I'd and across more, right? It was 10 to 15 yards Yeah, so that one is just a little one where you go, okay, Deshaun, we're okay for letting you do it. But that one might have been like only 15 and, and red and white can do that. Everybody else is not allowed. And he's getting sacked a lot too, five times on Sunday and 13 times for the year. Yeah. Such a fine line with him. Like the pick we're talking about, like you don't want to tell him to not do that because – he makes it happen a lot. Yeah. But he's getting sacked more than other quarterbacks, too, because of how much he's moving around. And then there's no run game to worry about. Right. And there's not enough diversity in the offense to even throw the ball short and quick, wide receiver screens. There's none of that. That's how you stop the great fucking defenses like the Steelers, who just are foaming at the mm-hmm. mouth to get at the quarterback, let alone, like, holy shit, is their front four good. Yeah. I was drooling over their front four yesterday. I wrote it down. I wrote, Steelers, best D in the NFL. They're the best D I've seen so far. I mean, my money's on them to, to win that title when, when it's all said and done. But, yeah, just doing too much. Texans, though, doesn't do enough uh, to help him out. And, yeah, they're, yeah that, that's it. All right, so they, they fall to 0-3. 0-3 for the Texans. Steelers doing great. And we always talk about Kyler Murray in a brief way, like, Hey, he's he's a best always awesome. talking about. So <laughs> yeah. right. let, let's get into him a little bit. Okay. And the fact that the Cardinals lost for the first time, bad second half against the Lions. What happened in that one with a specific eye on Kyler Murray? Uh, I think specifically he just got a little too loose in this football game. I, I think that's really all I would say. One, the Lions, you know, I picked the Lions to win this game. And it, not that I thought they were the better team because they're not the better team, but they're desperate and I do think Matt Patricia has pretty good game plans versus these, versus these type of quarterbacks. He does. I mean, he gave Mahomes and Kansas City issues last year when they went to Detroit. Yeah. I mean, they were lucky to That's win right. that football game. Yeah. You know, the two years when he was in New England, when they beat Mahomes twice, they gave Mahomes issues moving too. There's always this narrative like, oh, New England and Bill Belichick have problems with scrambling quarterbacks. Yeah, that was a narrative for a while. What do you think New England did? They figured out how to fucking stop it. Right. Yeah, they're smart. They think about it. And that's why I did it, because I went, man, Patricia, he never loses his gap integrity when he plays these type of quarterbacks. He'll send five rushers, but it's not a real fifth rusher, right? To where it clogs up your ability to make plays scrambling, but they'll send a fifth rusher. Just say you're the right tackle, right? And I'm a linebacker. They'll send a fifth rusher where... He does this, so you have to worry about me maybe coming, but he's yeah. really looking for a shallow crosser. Right. And now there's four other guys that are rushing, and also within that he's clogged up the lanes of where, oh, oh, nobody's open, let me shoot through there and go you know, put on my afterburners and run for 20 yards. They did the best out of anybody so far this year in stopping him from scrambling and running. Mm-hmm. He had very little of that. He yeah. had two runs all day. And the other thing that 
the Lions do, and not that they're great at it, but they're, they do it and they're pretty good at it, is they have a lot of DBs and they play man-to-man. They're like, they try to be New England at a lesser extent. And they make you make throws. And he had to make some throws into some tight windows. Missed them. And he, and he missed them. The first interception, I mean, he kind of gets hit as he throws. Mm-hmm. They send a good five-man pressure. It ends up being high. Ball gets tipped up. Interception. Then, you know, they're keeping him in the pocket. He's got a little out route to Fitzgerald in the slot. And Fitzgerald doesn't run the greatest route, but Kyler just gets a little cocky. I think he just thinks, I'm going to just rifle it in there. And Jamie Collins kind of saw him getting ready to throw it. I think Kyler took one too many hitch steps that let Jamie make a break on it. He picked it off easily. And then the, the third one was he was scrambling out to his right. And he was running to the right and threw it to the Hopkins and threw it a little behind him. And Akuda picked it off and undercut him. Who, you know, Akuda did a good job for the, the rookie. I have a question here yeah. from uh, at Tyler Oxley3. What happened to Kyler Murray? Was he just making bad throws or was Patricia confusing him with different coverages? So it sounds like some bad throws. Yeah, bad like throws. Like Patricia does. I do. It was more of which one? Uh, I, I, would, I would say on this one, it was probably more of bad throws. But I think the bad throws were a little bit of like, wait, people, this isn't as easy today. Right. Why isn't, why isn't this team playing zone and letting me just manipulate them and then I can throw in that hole? And then, oh, nobody's open and I'll scramble and you're in zone because you're watching me. Right? That's the other thing teams do. They want to play zone against Kyler Murray because, oh, we keep our eyes on them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great until he gets outside of your pocket and now your eyes are still on him and you're moving with him and now there's a gap to your right that's like 30 yards wide because you're in a zone coverage. And those are the things that they don't do, the Lions. Right. And I think that posed, you know, some issues for them. I'm not worried about him at all. The, the Cardinals are a better football team than I've given them the credit for. Mm. They're going to be in this thing for a while. Even in the NFC West? I, I do. I think they're not saying they're going to win the NFC West, but I think they're going to be in this NFC playoff conversation. From what I've seen in three weeks, they're going to be in the thick of these things, this thing all year long. So right now, would you say they're second, third, or fourth in the NFC I'm West? I'm still... Obviously with Seattle being one. I'm gonna still give. I'm gonna still give them fourth. I don't feel and great be, about that. I know the 49ers are beat to hell right you now. You kind of shrunk literally. On I that know. One. I did. Well, because I'm I'm sitting there and the, the Rams are damn good too. They're yeah. playing good football. Yeah. I'm gonna give them the fourth right now. Just in saying, like it's early. It's three yeah. games. I kind of know these teams, these other three, and what they are. Yeah. So I just want to see a little bit more. But, Dan, they're, they're, they're chomping seem, at the bit. You seem pleasantly surprised. I am. Exceeded expectations. And I know you've liked Kyler a lot. So right. He's not exceeding. What part of this team is, is even better than you thought? Um, well, one, I still think I'm impressed with Kingsbury and his, like, growth of offense. Well, part okay. of the postgame narrative doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. is that he didn't call a good game. Uh, not buying into it. I'm not going to buy into that. It wasn't his best game. It was not. But they, they did enough to win that football game. I mean, mm-hmm. they were there. They just they made some big mistakes. Yeah. And they let up a few big plays on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, Stafford will do that too. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't look at it and go, oh, man, that was a bad – I didn't look at the film and go, damn, that was a shit attack or mm-hmm. they gave him no chance there. No, it was just a good matchup. Nothing was e- – I mean, nothing was easy. He had a few easy completions and things like that. But they do a lot of stuff on offense. They really do. I like that aspect. And their defense – has been quietly impressing me, too. Uh, right. So we'll see. I think we hit it all there, though. Come back and spend some more time with the Cardinals. It's, it's fun to get into these teams that we're, we don't end up spending quite as much time with. Yeah. All right, other side of that, Seahawks, Cowboys, 
two teams that we know very oh, well. Oh, baby. Great game. 38-31 Seattle wins. Uh, let's kick this off here by taking a look at some MVP odds. Yeah. Provided by our partners at Points Bet Sportsbook. And Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes up there at the top. And Wilson leading the way right now. Ooh, baby. Just hey. like last week, I sat, I sat right here and said, it feels like he's having this kind of season where you just hope when you play him, you get the one or two bad games right. that he's going to have in, yeah. throughout a regular season. Good luck. Did not have it no. against the Cowboys. So what layer of new or specific can you add to, to what he did well Sunday against Dallas? Um, he's amazing. I still think my biggest amazement with the Seahawks, and I'm going to say this, is Brian Schottenheimer. A guy who's always been famous in the NFL world for being a really good run game designer, Mm -hmm. but kind of being simplistic in the pass game. Not the case anymore. Through three weeks, I'm just blown away. Formations, motions. Just all of it. It's a new look. It's never repeat concepts. It's new things every week. I'm very impressed with the diversity of the offense. I really didn't think they were capable of even really being this diverse. Wow. I was just thinking, like, Man, it might be a hair more diverse, but at least you're just throwing the ball more. That's cool right. with me. Yeah. But they're doing shit where I'm going, ooh, you know, they got change-ups for their things that are their bread and butter and everything like that, and I think that's where it's special. No, let alone we know – I mean, this dude, Wilson, I was going to say Mahomes, is freaking special, and he's yeah. on fire right now. But let's just talk about the first TD pass. That would be the great example. He throws the locket, like the deep, the deep post, right? Yep. And Dallas looks like – they're confused, which in your own is like, well, how can you be confused? It's Metcalf and, and Lockett. They run deep. What, what, what don't you know about that? <laughs> well, I think my two cents on that would be Dallas played a coverage because Seattle likes to play action pass and come help, and then DK Metcalf and Lockett run these deep crosses. They run these deep crosses where they kind of pick for each other and he can throw to whatever one he wants, whatever week that is, and how they read it or whatever. Usually the guy who goes underneath is the guy that gets the ball. They kind of showed that same thing, except instead of the deep crosses, it was, whoop, one put put the brakes on and went back out. And then Lockett, instead of crossing, because they're sitting there waiting for him to cross, ran to the post. And I just think that was like, them doing a great job of self-scouting, self-scouting. themselves, yeah, right? Yeah. They go, oh, wait, we've done this. They're going to be laying in the weeds for this when we get in this formation. Let's change it up. That was really cool. So back it up to talking about Kansas City-Baltimore, I asked you who you would you give the game ball to, to Mahomes or to Andy Reid. For this one, is it to Schottenheimer or to Wilson? Ooh. Um, and as you're thinking about it, I want to point out, too, last year about this time you were saying Wilson's great – He's not getting enough help I know. with the schemes, right. with the formations, with the motions. That's what they need to take the next step. Yeah. And now it feels like they kind of have it. They, they have. That's, I mean, they're doing it. And thanks for bringing it up last year because you're right. I mean, that's what I've always wanted for them. I'm going to give more mm, – I don't even know. I, I just gave a <laughs> to Schottenheimer. So I'll get, I'll get off him and give okay. you know, Wilson some love here, all right? <laughs> give him some Who doesn't like go. some love. You know, yeah. so i got to show him too. But, I mean, it, you know, it, it's 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 – yeah, I love what Schottenheimer did, but like what Russell Wilson's doing and the degree of difficulty it throws. And I know some people go, well, they're open downfield. Mm-hmm. I could show you like 30 other open people in football this past week where the pass was not completed. Mm-hmm. So just because they're open doesn't mean it's like, oh, it should be completed every time. Yeah. We've gotten that way because of guys like Mahomes and Wilson where we expect it right. every time. Like He's open and he missed him. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was 70 yards down the field. Right. Well, he should hit him in stride. He gets a lot of credit for being the best deep ball thrower, I think, along with Roethlisberger, does it very well, too. Yeah, yeah. But 
Next time he plays, watch how he drops it in between 25 and 40 yards, too, where it's not, it's not the short one. It's not the big over the top. Right. But the in-between ones, right. his touch and his feel there, I mean, I, maybe it's even better this year than it has been it's in the past. It's off the charts. I see it every single game. Yeah. Now. Well, like even the last DK Metcalf touchdown to win the game. That's right? kind of the throw you're talking about, right? About yes. 25 yards in the air. Yeah. Right? Crosser. If he throws it on the line, the guy might be able to undercut it. Right. But instead, he hits the clouds with the ball, and it drops straight down and just right into their breadbasket. Yeah. That's how you throw a deep ball. That's, he's very special at that. Mm-hmm. He really is. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. He's the king of goes, posts, deep crosses, and then, you know, just anything other crazy shit. But, like, really, he's, he's as good as it gets from that standpoint. You know, and, and – you know, I don't know where I go from here. You got any specific Dallas, questions? Yeah, yeah. Dallas defense even yeah. up seventy-seven points the last two games. There's, what are they not doing? They're not as talented as I wanted to say they were before the season. You know, the secondary, especially without Chidobe Wuze last week, there's nothing special there. So they can't really match up and play man-to-man. Diggs has a chance to be something, but he's a he's a rookie, mm-hmm. and you can't expect him to match up against, you know. Super freak DK Metcalf. That's not going to happen. Nobody can do that. I mean, we saw Stefan Gilmore have issues with that. For, so I think that Dallas is stuck a little in the predicament of not having a very good pass rush, but not having very good true cover man corners either. So it's like, oh, Tough I want a blitz to get pressure, but I don't know if I trust this yeah. group back here. Yeah. You know, and then, and they don't blitz. Yeah, Alden Smith has been good. He's had his moments, certainly, but, like, it's just not a good enough front four right now to where you go, oh, well, Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith, they'll get there. They'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. No, there was too many plays where, I mean, he was just sitting there and letting plays develop down the field, and they were playing the four-man rush and playing coverage, and you're just not going to win that way. So, um, I, I don't know. Mike Dolan's in a little bit of a bind that way with their football team, and I don't know where they go uh, with, the, with the whole matchup. I really don't. Because they might have to be one of those teams that just goes, like Seattle, and go, our defense isn't that great. Right. And we have this awesome offense. Right. With all these receivers. Exactly. So maybe we don't, maybe we just, we're going to play in a shootout style football like Seattle does. Like, I'm I'm starting to think that Dallas might have to be one of those teams. I think those are both two perfect examples of if their defense can go from uh, concern to average, they're very good. Yeah. They they don't have to be great on defense. No, they do not. They're just middle of the road both sides, which... To me, is a good segue to talk about the Cowboys' offense. Yeah, you ready to go? There yeah, I think so. I don't think there's anything there that's, uh, you know, anything that's that's big. Um, last easy. last thing I'll say with this, the one thing I saw from that Cowboys defense that I did like, it was 30 to 15. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks were staying aggressive still, but I really thought like Nolan did a good job of starting to mix coverages more and just play more zone two deep coverages, whether it was quarter, quarter, half or two man or like a real soft three deep. But I think that's about it. I don't think there's anything more there. There were some very interesting plays throughout. But again, I think the biggest thing, even the last touchdown, like, holy cow, what a cool play design. Which one was that? That was the Metcalf throw we were talking about. Okay. So they're playing quarters to the right Mm -hmm. and cover two to the left. They kind of had a three-man route concept to the right, and the quarter's safety on that side had to respect what was in front of them. There was kind of a curl route in front of them. 
So he's got to be there to stop that. Yeah. And Metcalf ran from the other side he of the did. field. I don't think he was it. primary. Do you? No, I don't think yeah. he was either. I think it was he fell into it a little bit. Yeah. Russell Wilson, which is more impressive that Wilson made that throw because when you, when you know you're looking deep first, you kind of set your feet and your balance to make that throw. When you're looking underneath and say, "Oh, that guy, 35 yard downfield, he's the guy." It makes it even tougher. No doubt. Well, it's because it's experience now. And now you're starting to go, well, we called the right defense, but the fucking guy just recognizes everything, yeah. let alone there was no fucking pass rush. Right. So a guy like Wilson, if he's sitting there like that, yes, he's going to eventually find the open guy. I don't care if you got 12 guys out there and you're playing some crazy illegal coverage. He's going to find somebody. Right. And I think that goes back to the point with Dallas. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, no, bring no, us no. back there. No, no. Other side, Cowboys, uh, Dak Prescott, career highs, attempts. 57, Oof. never a good thing. It's yep. like you, you don't want your point guard in basketball scoring 48 points. You don't want your quarterback throwing 57 times. Right. But also through for 472. There's a lot to like about what they're doing offensively. There is. There is. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's as talented as any offense there is out there. And I've gotten to the point with it, too, where I've gone, like, you know, this is the way they're going to be. They're no longer capable of being like Zeke Elliott, and we're going to run you know 23 times for 127 yards and just beat you with our line. Because line. So the O lines, they're they're just an average O line. That's that's all there is to it. You know, they're they're starting two backup tackles right now, mm-hmm. and they don't have you know uh, the center they wanted because Travis Frederick retired. So they got issues up there. Th- that day is over. It's Dak Prescott in the passing game that's going to win it with some sprinkling of the running. I think that's the first thing I just wanted to say about the Cowboys that I've come to. Like, the running game can still be respectable, but it's not going to be like 2014 was, and 2016 it again. It was the number one thing. Where they like just dominated years, time right, control right. and just you, didn't feel, you felt like it was an inevitable force. Like, yeah. they're going to run for 100 on us. Time's up well, though. I mean, a fortunate bounce of the ball because, yeah. to me, listening to you talk, I'm like, okay, well, then Dak Prescott is – I think he's going to be better than he's ever been. Yeah. And the receiving core is, is pretty darn good. It's fucking insane. Right? I mean, it's, when Cedric Wilson is coming off the bench and 107 yards and running by everybody in Seattle's defense, I mean, that's, that's insane. I mean, he's so good, it makes me think they might have messed up the C.D. Lamb draft. <laughs> I want to go, why did we draft him? Did, did we know this kid was this good? Because if we did, we should have gone to a, like a, a defensive player. and We could have used that. So many things to talk about on this side of the ball. You know, first off, you know, I've heard people say, too, like, oh, Dallas should have ran the ball. They knew they were going against Seattle and that great defense. You've already run through that. Exactly. Dallas has a great offense, too. They don't want their great offense over by the fucking Gatorade bottle. Right. That's not the way they want to play. The strength of their team, all the money on their team, it's all on the offense. That's how they should win the games. Mm. So there's that aspect of it. Plus, you know, when I hear people say, oh, they should have ran the ball. You can't run the ball against Seattle. You can't. Seattle's run defense, I'm going to look it up. I bet you it's very good right now. I have actually no idea, and I'm going out on a limb here. And as 66, there's 66 yards a game. They're second in football and run defense. You know why? Because there's nine guys at the line of scrimmage every play. They basically say, no, you're going to have to throw it. We're not going to let you run it on us. They're not going to let their offense die that slow death of right. Russell Wilson being over there. Yeah. So and the offenses are also recognizing what you just said. Okay, the run defense is really good. The yeah. pass defense Stinks. has been awful. <laughs> right. NFL record 1,292 <laughs> pass yards through three games. It's That's insane. a phenomenal number. <laughs> it's a phenomenal number. That's over 400 yards per game. It's, it, it's 
absolutely mind-blowing so, that a defense with Pete Carroll could be letting up 43. It's nice 30. that you recognize what they're doing well yeah. uh, defensively up right. front. Back end, why, why have they been so poor? They have nobody that can cover man-to-man. I mean, really nobody. They have no cover man-to-man cover corners. You know they play a limited amount of coverages. You've heard me complain mm-hmm. about that already. So that's an issue. So that, and then they're like Dallas, and I feel like we we're talking about this a little today altogether. Their front four isn't good either. Yeah. They can't rush the passer good. That's what I should say. Their front four is good. They can stop the run and cause some havoc that way. But they have no, I mean, I repeat, no marquee pass rusher. And that's why they're blitzing and doing crazy things like that because they're not going to sit there and die a slow death of nothing. So they're basically saying, well, you're going to get yards on us, so we'd rather you not get them in the run game. Yeah, We'll still do that. And then they blitz because I think they just go, yeah, we'll force your hand and maybe we'll make a play. And that's what's kind of been saving them so far. Right. I mean, last week they made a few plays. Just enough. Just yeah. enough, right, yeah. to win the game. And I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks they're very content with just, that, yeah. that they realize this is who they are. And they're going to have to win with their offense, and they just hope their defense can make one stop or one or two plays a game to kind of get them over the hump. Which of these two defenses that we saw in this game, Cowboys or Seahawks, and I brought this up earlier, do you think is closer or more likely to make that jump from, hey, this is a problem right now, to being average middle of the road? Man, this is a good one. Because I do think Seattle is more apt to be able to be that defense to make plays, especially if Jamal Adams is healthy and that. I like Nolan's scheme better. How is it different? It's just, the, it's just Nolan's is just NFL basics, but well-coached, and we know how to run these coverages. He was always a 3-4 guy. He was always a 3-4 guy who's been around some 4-3 guys so the last few years, now. so he mixes it up. He's more 4-3 right now because I think of this, the, the guys they have up front. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I um, – Sounds like you're leaning towards Seattle being – of, of, of two difficult situations, maybe closer to being okay. I just have more faith in them making plays. I don't know if statistically it's going to end up being better than Dallas, but I have more faith in the Bobby Wagners and the Diggs and the Jamal Adams Yeah. to make, you know, and Jerron Reed, like we saw him do this last week with a strip sack fumble, that they can make a play. Where in Dallas right now, I just go, okay, who? I mean, Alden Smith, right. maybe? And that's just disappointing. Demarcus Lawrence doesn't pop. You know, Jalen Smith in the middle. There's Sean, no Sean Lee. There's no Vander Esch. You know, Byron Jones is gone. Jadobi Awuze is hurt. So that bothers me. Um, all right, but here's a few other things. Yeah. Just to hit on real quick. Um, we talked about their defense. My biggest issue with Seattle, more than anything, this is one thing I think that can help them change. I brought up the five-man pressure before. Mm-hmm. Seattle is the king of the useless pointless, waste of fucking time, five-man pressure. It drives me crazy. And um, let's think about Cedric Wilson on his first touchdown. He runs a little slant route over the middle. Mm -hmm. Untouched, runs all the way to the end. Is that the one where he was guarded by By K.J. Wright? I mean, what the hell? They have so few corners that they're playing base defense against 11 personnel a lot of the game. Okay? Yeah. Which is insane which means you have to readjust something. Cedric Wilson was matched up on K.J. Wright. That doesn't make sense. I you, could don't... Still, you, you could still be in the league at age 40, throwing five touchdowns a game, 
if you were up against that. If I was up against that, and then you're going to blitz the middle linebacker for me, so I just can just open, open it up, up the middle, yeah, and let me throw yeah. it four yards. They do so much of that crap and let up so many stupid shallow crosses. Yeah, I had Pete last night because I'm not a numbers guy. I just said they have to lead the league in like in, in five man rushers. Yeah, and there's no point. Just you know, handed it to them. There's some defenses and teams that it makes sense to, to, to rush five. Yeah. New England, I can understand it. They don't have great pass rushers, but they have the best secondary in football, so they can get away with it. Right. You know, Pittsburgh, they do it a lot too. But Pittsburgh has, at times, five freaks rushing the passer, so they want to create the five one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. You know, Seattle has zero freaks rushing the passer. Yeah. You create five one-on-ones and you lose all five of them. Yeah. So there's no point in doing it. And then, like Seattle's, I mean, and Pittsburgh's crazy in the back end with coverages, too. So they saved themselves that way. Seattle's doing it and doing basic shit behind it and has nobody that can cover. So that's where it makes no sense. And, you know, the, the one thing I was just going to say, I mean, so, like the Chargers, the Colts, Philadelphia, San Francisco, you know, Washington, New Orleans, even the Rams, they're all towards the bottom of football mm. in five-man pressures. Like, they don't do it, and they're all towards the top in defense and football. And like I said, there's a few teams out there that do rush five. I just talked about, you know, the Steelers. The Buccaneers, the same thing. They rush five a lot, too. But I get that. Did they bring Bucko off the side? No, but they have five freaks, too, to rush the passer, so they want to create that. So I guess that just drives me crazy. I think that's something that they could help and readjust. And that's not new, the – Bringing five is something I remember early from last year. And because I think it was Seattle last year we probably were talking about, too. Okay. Yes. And, you know, as I when the game went down, it started going, I started to keep track of it. When yeah. they rush four, they, the results are better. They're, they're, I don't know the exact stats. I'm just telling you, they're better. When they rush five. This is another film session we need. I know. Yeah. They can't stop anything. And it's really average, and uh, I don't like that about them. I have this written down. I want to hear your answer to this. Yeah. There are five teams at one and two in the NFC, including the Saints and Cowboys. Which one concerns you more? Who do you think is, like, in trouble based off of their standards? Saints and Cowboys. January. Saints and Cowboys. I would, I would be more worried about the Cowboys. Okay. I would. Because of the defense? Yes, I would. I would. And then, you know, and again, the, the offense has been good, but – it's had a few moments of, like, the Rams game where it was stale. Yeah. And then the Falcons game, it was stale at moments. I know they came back and whatever else. So I guess that's what that scares me just a little bit there. Um, let me just see. I just want to make sure I didn't leave anything on the table. Dak's interceptions were not the best, all right? As opposed to? Well, I mean, yeah, they're never the best, but, like, Hey, the first one right before the end of the first half? Yeah. He's throwing a skinny post to the right. He looks to the left and takes like two hitches and then tries on a third hitch to come back and to throw a skinny post on the right. It's way too late to do that at that point. So they got undercut. It wasn't even a hard play for the corner there. That bothered me. Then the third quarter INT, uh, let me just see. Uh, and I can't remember how that went down. But that, I didn't love that one either. I don't know what I was going to say there. But the last and final thing I'll say, just about Seattle's defense, I'm, so, I'm sorry here, is the other thing I don't understand, they get all these big, long corners and everything like that. They don't jam any receivers off the line of scrimmage. Nobody. Everybody gets a free release. Nobody, the timing of a pass play is never disrupted. Slot receivers get to just run. 
never have to worry about anybody putting hands on them, disrupting them, doing anything like that. I don't know. I always found as a quarterback, like, when you play those teams, New England's very good at this. My Tampa defense used to be good at this. Like, they would never let a slot receiver just run free off the line of scrimmage. Someone at, in between that five-yard mark was going to push that receiver and take him off course. And that bothers quarterbacks. Because if that's your first read, yeah, right, yeah. you look at him and you go, well, fuck, he's not there. Yeah. So you go to your second read, but you're too early because yeah. the first read, you got off the first read so fast because he got fucked up so quick. So now you look at two and you go, well, he's not there either, but it's because you're there too quick. Right. And it messes up rhythm. And that, to me, they do none of that, as, uh, none of that either. And uh, I think that's something that's imperative as they go forward if they want to be better that way. Key word, disruption. Yeah. La and lack thereof. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at with the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. All right. I yeah, I think card. I got it. I got the next play call. All right. Yeah. Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky. Okay. Let's back up to Atlanta. Yeah. Nick Foles comes in. It's 26 to 10, or he'd been in, but 26 to 10. Falcons leading the Bears, about seven minutes left. What happened? Okay. So, first off, Trubisky didn't really do anything that, like, warranted him being benched. Not in that particular game. Not in that particular game. Okay. Until you get to the interception. And I just want to talk about that first. But because Trub Compass Traveler asked, was Trubisky really that bad? Yeah, he was not that bad. He really was not. In fact, there was a lot of moments where I went, okay, Trubisky's playing okay here. Yeah. I didn't sit here and look at it and go, uh, okay. But the interception pick six mm -hmm. is that bad. It would be that bad to where if a guy was playing a solid game and then the two games before that had just played okay football. Yeah that you'd go, whoa, how the fuck can you throw that ball against that coverage? Mm -hmm. Let alone the tight end wasn't even looking because he's told not to look so he doesn't get killed yeah. against that play. He literally is looking at the sideline because if you give eyes, that means he thinks he's open and the quarterback might throw the ball. There was cover three all the way. Nobody moved. He threw the ball like it was man-to-man. -man. He was going to catch it and just run free. I mean, so – that is such a troubling bad interception that I could see a coach going, 
whoa. Mm-hmm. He's not seeing anything right. And he's been he's on flustered. the two-and-a-half strike the, mentality exactly, for a while. Exactly right. Right? Right. There's no doubt about that. Okay. So then you get into that. Now, I think the big thing is, you know, they move the ball a little bit throughout the day. It was always a play here or there that just kind of messed things up and everything that. But, you know, right away, I think what you noticed was smoother is there's just more trust with Nagy in Foles. There's a more aggressive approach in the pass game. That's the word I come back to, okay. aggressive. Yeah, yeah, I think there is. There's less managing the pass game. Yes. I think that's the first thing that I notice. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm like, oh, wow, they're running different plays than they would run with Mitch Trubisky. No, I see some of the same plays, but plays that, like, Nagy only calls every now and then with Trubisky, and now he's like, let it fly, Nick. Let it fly, Nick. Right. And, of course, Nick is just such a better, pure thrower of the football than Trubisky. It's not right. even close. Much more willing to be risky in kind of a – not a conservative way, but just uh, it's – A they smart are, way. Right? Yeah, there is. It's an easier way to trust. It is. And I have conservative He threw in the coverage, down. but he threw the ball nine feet high and outside to where, like, right. his guy only gets it or no one does. Right. Here's a, a curious question. I've, yeah. I've read this a couple times. I had my uh, – my mind went there as well because Trubisky had a very nice – Late comeback in week one. Yeah. It was just two weeks ago. Right. So Foles does it again now two weeks later. Why does Foles deserve to start based off of that right. when Trubisky just did it two weeks ago? I got to think there's more to this story than we'll ever know. Right. That, that Trubisky has missed things, messed things up in the first two games that they probably didn't like, whether that's checks to the line of scrimmage, whatever it is, not seeing a, a certain pass play the right way, the way it was taught. You know, I think all of that, just reading between the lines, I don't have an answer for you, but that yeah. just to me and my experience around football would lend me to believe that that's what led to this short leash. Yeah. You, the week one comeback was impressive. I said this a little on Monday, but it, it, it played out for him the right way. It really kind of fell in his lap. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, here's a one-on-one wide open shot. Just throw it up and see if our guy can catch it. Oh, we got the short field here. If we could just make one play, we'll be down close to the end zone. Here's a jump ball to Jimmy Graham. Touchdown. Whoa, you're amazing all of a sudden. Right? So I think this was a more impressive comeback. Yeah. I mean, first off, he threw another touchdown pass that'll go down as an interception, right? And it was a 50-50 ball that was called a touchdown on the field, and they overturned. Right. Then they had another time where they drove right down the field again and went for it on fourth down. They were in field goal, Terry, and went. So – I mean, they never were really stopped when Nick Foles got yeah, the game he had as a, a quarterback. He had a fourth and six where he had a seven. He hit a, a corner route, and he was open, but he cut it loose at just the right time and threw a great ball in a tough spot. And, like, to me, that's when it really started. It was 26-10. Right. They convert that fourth and six with a really nice throw. And that's when I kind of sat up and thought, okay, maybe maybe, maybe they got a chance. Right, right. Uh, because, I mean, to answer my own question to you, why was this comeback better than the one two weeks ago? You have to include the three years leading up to it when the offense just felt limited. Yes. Even when it did well enough to win, it felt limited. And when you come back from that kind of deficit in the fourth quarter, you got that kind of experience. Super Bowl MVP, I believe he was MVP of the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Everybody just kind of walks into the building a little bit different way. Definitely. Maybe our offense won't be so conservative, and I come back to that word again, so limited. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's the last thing I wrote. I wrote, the biggest difference in the yellow is just more aggressive. I wrote, is it the situation or is it Foles? And I just wrote, you know, I think it's Foles. And, and maybe Nagy calls plays a little bit in a, a little bit more aggressive way well, now. Well, I think he does. I think he will. I think we're going to see that. I do. Because I think he's going to trust the decision maker, and I think he's going to trust the second part of that decision-making is making the appropriate throw, and that's another thing that's questionable about Mitchell Trubisky. 
It's like, yeah, he threw to the open guy, but why did he throw that so hard on a laser like that? Or right. why did he loft that ball when he should have thrown the laser? That's where Foles is amazing. I mean, and you're right. I mean, that fourth down throw, what a throw to it's make nice. in that situation. Yeah. How about the drop fourth down touchdown pass on this series where they didn't yeah. get the field? I mean, so there was really a lot of success to look at, um, let alone that last touchdown pass to me is exactly why you have Nick Foles. Nick Foles is just a pure thrower, aggressive. His incompletions are catchable, and he is phenomenal at throwing with people around him in the pocket. Yeah. That's always been my favorite thing about him. Yep. In Philly, that was what he did best. People around it, oh, here, Alshon Jeffrey, here's the ball 12 feet high. You go get it. I know there's some people in there. Mm-hmm. You'll get it up there. I mean, he's great at Even that. Even that last touchdown where he, he was open, I mean, it appeared wide open. We yeah. see the back half of the play. He stood in there very well. Stood in there, took a big hit, yeah. and made the throw – the proper throw to make it look even more open than it was. So many times you see that throw made by quarterbacks and they throw it upfield, right? Yeah. To where now they have to go, oh, I have to go upfield. And, oh, I just barely caught it. He threw him across the yes. field so he could run away from the defender. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what jumped out. He's definitely the guy. Good for them. Seemed inevitable. Yeah. It's going to happen at some point. It did seem inevitable. You, you get it? You know what it's time for. Oh, baby. Yes, Pete D. Let's is do a- it. Tell them the kids to be quiet right now. i got to listen to my quarterback, Jeopardy, here. All right, I've got him. You ready to roll? Yeah, I'm ready. Do you need a review of the rules? Um, no. The rules? You're like, last Five night at questions. the debate, they went over the rules before. Oh, well, I'm going to be like that then. I'm not going to follow the rules. I'm going to be like <laughs> Big Orange, Big Bird and just talk all the time. <laughs> I will uh, – uh, I'll hold off. Okay. Okay. All right. One through five here. 100 should be easiest. Right. We shall see. For 100 points, which quarterback leads the NFL in passing yards? Dak Prescott. There you go. One good. for one. Way to go. One for one. Come I on, Pete. Make these hard ones. 200. Four quarterbacks have played three games without a pick this season. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and one more has not thrown a pick this year. Four quarter, And he's played all three games. Okay. These are guys we, we should have had I'm, the I'm going to do this. Yeah, you're right. I'm just going to pull up the teams, all right, just so you know I'm not looking this at This is stats. not an open book test like you used to have I in just, high school I, in North I, Jersey. <laughs> I told you I wasn't following the debate rules. Um, uh, I just want to look at the teams just to see. So four quarterbacks, three games, no interceptions. Okay, so like for example, like Jimmy G hasn't thrown he a pick, but he hasn't played, played all three, all three games. games. Right, right. So you have to have started and played all three games. All right, all right, all right. Let me just think. I'm just trying to go through this. Let me just think. Did Rogers throw a pick in week one? It's, no. He, he. So Rogers on. The oh, list. he's on the list. Sorry, sorry, so sorry. Four have played three games. Without throwing a pick. Mahomes, Rodgers, and Jackson. Sorry. And then there's one more. A quarterback to be determined later. It's kind of a surprise. Josh Allen has one. Mm-hmm. Damn, this is going to piss me off here. You want one hint? Nope, okay. I don't. I can't. Right. I, I got to get Deep this. Deep down, you want that hint. I do, but I, I got to get this. I think I can get this. What are I you really looking do. at? I'm just looking at all the teams going through my head, just okay. the, the teams in my head. I'm going to go Big Ben. Okay, it's a good guess. All right. Derek Carr. Damn. No picks. I don't know why. I looked at the Raiders. I thought about him. I just thought there was, might have been one pick somewhere. Damn it. Yeah. I should have got that. And Raiders are winning more often than they're losing. They are. So they far. Are. Okay, you're, you're one for two. Damn it. 300. And th- this is not easy. This one's not easy. Four quarterbacks have thrown a pick six this season. Name three of them. Sam Darnold. Let's see. Hold on. Let me get my pen out. Yep. He okay, threw two one. last week. Yep. There you go. Good place to start. 
Wow, this is coming out hard here. Well, Russell Wilson. There you go. First you play of the Patriots game. All right. You need one more. There are two more who have done it. Two more that have done it. Who is the? I'm going to shut read it up. again. This is always a. Oh, Tom Brady. You just did it. Yep. You got it. Right? Week one. I would have bet against you on this one. And then who is the, the, the last one? Daniel Jones? Stafford. Uh, Stafford. Stafford. Oh, that's right. One. He threw it in the, the Packer game. Yeah. Pete, cool. I, I, I thought we had him. He's picked up three points. Buddy. All right. You're two for three for 400. What quarterback has led a fourth quarter game winning drive in every game so far? Okay. I almost went with Josh Allen there, but that does not make sense. Hmm. Which quarterback has led a fourth-quarter game-winning drive in every game so far? And, like, they won those games. Like, it didn't, like, a game-winning drive, I guess, would be the key thing there. <laughs> I don't know. You know. I thought maybe you were being tricky, right? going to give me, like... Not straightforward. He, he had a game-winning drive, but... Um, Not a plausible game-winning drive, an actual. Yeah. I guess that's Russell Wilson? No. No, it's not. No. Tannehill. Tannehill. Ryan Man. Tannehill. Wow. Right? Yeah. 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 Good for him. Awesome. People for him. questioning, oh, he didn't deserve that contract. Oh, no. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, I know you weren't. I yeah. know. He's playing really well. He okay. is. Okay. Their defense is the thing I'm worried about there. Holy crap. You're two for four. Shit. This is the deciding I got to listen better, too. I'm not okay. even listening good here. Okay. 500. Who leads the NFL in passing yards per attempt and passing yards per completion? Man, he came out hard today. He came hard, hard, hard. Passing yards. I I think that's too big of a hint, Pete. Pete's like, Pete's giving me a hint. I think that might give it away. Damn. Let me see it. Let me see if you're still struggling in 15 seconds. He said I'm getting a lot of crap on Twitter for it. Oh, he told you too? He did. I heard that. You've got to run the hints through me and see if I green light them. Passing yards per attempt. Who leads the NFL? I was going to say, oh, no, that's not it. I'm talking about. Yards per attempt and yards per completion. All right. The fact that he said uh, I'm getting a lot of shit on Twitter for it is what's... That should narrow it down. Is it Brady? I can't. It's not. <laughs> Peaches said, said... Hold on. Let me guess not. this one first. Let me, I okay. really want to know. i, I got to figure this out. Yeah. This is going to drive me crazy. So which, which quarterback's fan base gets on your ass? Probably five or six guys or three or four guys. So. New Orleans. Okay, so Breeze. Miami. Whoever's playing for Miami. Yeah. Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Yep. Um, who else gets that? I mean, New England. Okay, there's, there's three teams. Yeah. Yep. There Damn. are more fan bases upset with you than just three. I know there is. That's why it's very hard. <laughs> it's, I feel like most fan bases are upset with me. Mm-hmm. All right, who is it? I give up. You're not even going to go with another guess? No, I give up. You're Mercy. not going to be able to sleep with yourself tonight. Jared Goff. Holy shit. That's a good one. Right? So yards per completion, yards per attempt. And yards per attempt. Right. Yeah. Man, yeah, I would never thought of that. I would have never thought of that. Yeah. You know, because I Why? first... Because he doesn't throw the ball more than four feet. <laughs> they just get to run 20 yards after it. So that's, it's, that's why it's, it's a it's bullshit stat. I don't like the stat. I don't like the stat, Pete, but that's a good question. Next to it. I like it. It's a good one. I should have got it. I, sh- I need to know that. I need to know it. Yeah. But am I, wait, Pete, have I been getting crap on Twitter about that lately? Or are you just saying in general? I thought I, he I, is doing very well. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt he yeah. is. But yes. I, thought, I thought that was going to give it away. Shit. Yeah. Shit. 
You know, I was thinking, well, I was thinking more of like, I was, I was going through like guys that throw the ball down the field, and that just tells you. Yeah. You know, that's where it's a misleading stat. It really right. is. Yeah. Wow. All right, good. Good for Jared Goff, too. He's having, he is having a good year. And even when they do ask him to make legit downfield throws, he's been making them. Right. So I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's, he's, he's on his game, and the Rams are in general. All so right. It's, it's week three in the NFL. By the way, first time back with quarterback trivia. Thanks it was for only week one, over. right? Yeah. Pete, Pete's doing a victory lap. That yeah, Pete loved it. He's You're like, right? oh, that guy calls himself a historian. I just crapped all over him. We'll see what we can come up with. Oh, man. All right, that's all good right. stuff. Where'd you go, man? I think that's it. We got it all? Yeah. We got it all got in. Got a lot in. All right. We did get a lot in. Yeah. We, yeah. We talked a lot of football there. Um, all right. Everybody, if you want to see the breakdown of that Ravens-Chiefs play that I was talking about on the podcast, it will be on my Instagram page later. And I explain it better on the Instagram page than I did here without, you know, video being able to show it. But either way, tomorrow, Picks Podcast, Florio and I go good at luck. it again in the PFTPM Unbutton collaboration. I had a pretty good week of picks. I mean, I'm picking straight up. I'm on fire. Beat him. I mean, straight up, I'm beating him. Best bets. He's. I think he's only lost one one game oh, wow. the whole year. Okay. Right. So he's killing it, and I'm doing pretty good with the bets too. But it's worth tuning in. I'll see you next week. All right. All right. See ya. See ya. Peace right. out, everybody. Be good. Paul Burmeister, Chris Sims. We're out. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 